It's time to introduce the giants in your life to your God. Welcome to the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Foundations International. Our desire is to equip you with biblical truth to empower you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. For more, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. Now, here's your podcast. Hi, I'm Lee Whitman, and today I want to talk about fighting the giants in your life and some things we can learn from David's fight with the giant Goliath. Now, I know each of you has been fighting giants. They might not be physical giants, but they are giants of a spiritual nature that are coming against you, trying to keep you from experiencing all that God has for you here in this life. Now, it used to be that giants were not as obvious. Today, there are many giants, and the giants are coming after you. They're attacking your life on a regular basis. That's why learning to introduce the giants in your life to your God is going to be more and more a vital part of our life with Christ. You know, we used to recognize that there were giants in the world, but more of us felt like if we left them alone, they would leave us alone. (laughs) That's not true. The giants today are aggressively coming after us, and we can no longer ignore them. Now, I'm going to use the story of David and Goliath to encourage us as we fight our giants. Let me start off by giving some highlights of the story of David and Goliath found in 1 Samuel 17. I'm not going to read it word for word, but just pick out some highlights. Now, the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Some would say it's like nine and a half feet tall. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up in battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And the Philistine Goliath drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, take now for your brothers an ephah of dried grain and 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. Um, That's the first evidence of Uber Eats right there, right? David saw and heard the taunting of Goliath and was dismayed why no man was willing to go and fight him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then he took a staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. 
Then David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, took Goliath's sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. (laughs) That's the definition of a bad day when your head gets cut off with your own sword, right? And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now, the story begins that they're gathered for battle at Succoth, which belonged to Judah. The enemy attacks us at places we already possess. Remember, the scripture says that the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Today, he is boldly coming to take things that belong to you, and he wants to see if you will fight for what is already yours, or if you'll run from the battle and allow him to steal from you. I believe we're in a season to see if we, the church of Christ, are willing to fight for what is rightly ours or not. The church is is being attacked. The kingdom of God and his righteousness are being openly attacked and ridiculed. What is evil is being called good, and what is good is being called evil. Now, part of this attack is that there's a spirit of fear that has been released in the world. And this fear causes many in the body of Christ to shrink back and not fight the giants that are in our lives. So it's time for the church to draw a line in the sand and quit giving in to this spirit of fear and hopelessness. You know, in the U.S., and I'll bet it's the same thing all around the world, we are being told to get back at our church buildings and stay there, to quit trying to influence culture, to be quiet. It's become very obvious where people stand today, doesn't it? It used to be that someone uh, could be neutral about their faith. Hmm, Not anymore. The enemy is trying to take our influence away, the influence that is rightly given to us by our Father God. Now more than ever, we, the church, needs to influence what is going on in our world. And the best way for the church to fight this battle is through prayer. This sense of fear and helplessness will say to us that there's nothing we can do to change our culture. So why try? Just give up. Yet the scripture says that the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. They are not of the flesh and blood. Rather, they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So let's go back to our story. The first picture we have in the story of David and Goliath is of the army coming out for battle. Verse 20 says, And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Now, I think this picture is often what happens to us when we go to church. While we're in church during worship, our courage and faith are strong. We're shouting the battle cry. But when the giants in our life come at us at three o'clock in the morning, we often find ourselves acting like the army of Israel in the face of Goliath. In verse 24, Goliath came out, and when all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. You know, they basically said, have you seen the size of this guy? So they were shouting the war cry until they came face to face with the giant. Religion is a form of godliness, but it denies the power of God. People today don't need religion. They need something that is powerful and real. The gospel demands that we give the world the real thing. The real thing is not living a life of shouting the war cry in church on Sunday and then running away when the giants show up. 
Now, is it okay to recognize that the giants are big? Sure it is. I'm not saying to deny the size of the giants, but we must choose to believe what God says about our situation over what we see in the natural. We're going to face giants, but our God is bigger. Now, notice that twice a day for 40 days, Goliath shamed the armies of Israel. Who are you to come out against me? Notice that the tactic of this giant was fear and intimidation. The devil does that same thing to us all the time. He uses fear and intimidation to shame us. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you can, or why do you think you can do something great? Shame is a powerful weapon that is used against the church. Shame is that message that there is something wrong with you, and it comes at us in various forms and from various sources. We sometimes buy into shame-based lies that some are chosen to be, well, let's say level 10 Christians, but I'm an only level three Christian. If we're not careful, we can spend more time agreeing with the enemy with our self-talk than we spend talking to God and agreeing with God. David's own brothers tried to shame David in verse 28. Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down here to see the battle. In other words, little shepherd boy, you didn't come here to do any good. You just came here to watch the real men fight. Now, the reason David had the courage to fight Goliath was that David had no shame. David had spent his days tending sheep and talking to God. David would worship while tending sheep. He had no other way to connect with God than through his personal worship and talking to God. Now, listen to this. David had no Bible. Sometimes the Bible might actually get in the way of our relationship with God. Many times we disconnect our Bible reading from connection with God. We think that by reading the scripture, We are connecting with God when all we're doing is checking a box. Bible reading, check. David also had no internet, nor the hundreds of Christian things on the internet, not to mention the hours we can waste on social media. He had no TV. He had no online podcast or YouTube, although it's okay to listen to this podcast, of course. Only thing David could do was play his guitar and worship and pray. Maybe that's why he had no shame. Notice also that when David volunteered to fight Goliath, the king tried to put his armor on David. It obviously didn't fit. We can't wear someone else's armor. Wearing someone else's armor is like trying to live the Christian life using someone else's anointing. You don't need someone else's anointing. You are anointed by God to fight the battles he places before you. Can you benefit by joining your anointing with others? Yeah, most definitely. There is power in the church linking arms and coming together to fight the giants. Can you receive extra anointing by placing yourself under anointed leaders in the body of Christ? Absolutely. The ministers of RTF receive an impartation from the anointing carried by Chester and Betsy Kilstra that flows down to all of us. But you can't fight using someone else's anointing. Notice what happens in verse 48. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. How could David run toward the battle when all the rest of the Israel army was running away? Well, David knew two things. 
He knew who he was, and he knew that God was on his side. You know, verses 33 and 36 say that David knew who he was. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, your servant had killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David says, I know who I am. And this is not arrogance. It is a God-given confidence in who God has made you to be. Once again, in this picture, we see that David was not affected by shame. Shame wants to tell you that there is something wrong with you. As Chester Kilstra says, shame is being uniquely and fatally flawed. Brene Brown says that shame is that warm feeling that washes over us, making us feel small, flawed, and never good enough. Yet our identity as believers is such an important thing. That is why the enemy goes to such great lengths to get us to believe lies about our identity. Like David, when we know who we are, the size of the giant does not matter. One of the lies the enemy uses is that for us to be confident in who we are and what we are called to do, it's being arrogant. Yet in 1 Corinthians 4.16, Paul says, therefore I urge you, imitate me. Wow, that's either the statement of a totally arrogant man or the statement of a man who is confident in who he is as a child of God. He's confident not in himself, but in Christ who dwells in him. You can imitate me as I follow Christ, is what he says. It's not pride or arrogance to be rightly aligned with God and be confident in that alignment. I know who I am. I know the power I have. I know I am going to do great things for the kingdom of God. Those are honest statements. Paul's confidence came because he knew where his life came from. Paul knew that Christ was living his life in and through Paul by the Holy Spirit. Now, we have a part to play in bringing the kingdom of God to earth. That's an amazing identity. It's amazing that God would choose to live his life through us here and co-labor with us to see the kingdom of God come to earth. So not only did David know who he was, but he knew that God was on his side. It goes on and says, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. What are the giants in your life? Are they finances, health, family, maybe a sin issue? Some of you will need to get help getting rid of these giants. The RTF integrated approach to ministry is, is going to help you to discern and set those places free because it's usually more than one thing that's holding the giants in place in your life. My concern in coming out of the season that we've just gone through is that we've adjusted our expectations to new reality. Our reality should have nothing to do with COVID or the war in Ukraine or the political climate. Our reality has always been and continues to be Christ crucified. It is bringing his kingdom to earth. Our reality is making our expectations and decisions line up to the truth of God's word and his kingdom come to earth. So Father, I pray that as we face our giants, we would remember who we are. We're your children. We're called. We're equipped. 
We have everything we need to fight the battle. And then, Lord, we remember whose we are, that we belong to you. And your word says that you don't let go of your kids. You, you never forsake us. You never leave us. So, Father, if there's anything going on in us right now, any fear, any concern, any worry about the giants that we face, Lord, we bring those to you. And if we need help, Father, encourage people to come and, and get some RTF ministry to set them free to attack the, the things that come towards them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast today. We pray you are blessed and equipped with biblical truth, empowering you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. To learn more about the ministry of Restoring the Foundations International, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.